Welcome to the Cathedral Library Bible Podcast. I'm Rob Steele. And I'm Jordan Duncan. And our desire with this podcast is to show you how easy and enjoyable it is to come to Scripture and walk away having heard the words of God and being changed by them. Amen. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Cathedral Library Bible Podcast. We are starting in chapter 8 today and doing the first 26 verses of chapter 8. So hopefully a shorter section means we'll be uh, not quite as long-winded. But uh, I just wanted to say, Rob, we hit a milestone. This is our 10th episode. This is a big one. Uh, It's probably the most important one to date and for no reason other than it's number 10. It is. So it must mean something important. What does it mean? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This is an interesting little section because it in some ways, I was just talking to Rob about how I think it, it's kind of like a hinge. It, a lot of, a lot of it's just repeating some stories from what just happened. Yeah. And then ends in such a way that launches us into, um, what will be the next episode where spoiler alert, Peter confesses Jesus as the Christ. I mean, this is kind of what the whole um, so in the first episode, I talked about how Mark is kind of broken into three pieces. And the first bit is Jesus doing things um, as he's bringing the kingdom and everyone going, who is he? Who is he? And everyone's trying to figure out who he is and what that means to follow him. And this is where it starts uh, building to the climax of that. And then the next section is where Peter then, you know, Jesus is going to say, who do people say that I am? And they have that discussion. And then it goes from there into the third section. So this is kind of the end of that first little bit. And the way it ends is, uh, again, Jesus, there's a great crowd gathered and they had nothing to eat. So very similar to the Jesus Feeds the 5,000 story. But just so you know, this isn't the same story Mark's saying again. This time he feeds uh, 4,000 people. And instead of there being uh, five loaves and then 12 baskets left over, this time they have seven loaves. And uh, again, the phrase, they ate and were satisfied, that I pointed out from last time, which I'm not sure, but I think maybe is a callback to the promise of God's kingdom coming, and when it comes to earth, everyone will have enough food to eat, and everyone's going to be satisfied. Maybe, or maybe not. And then after, there's seven baskets full left over, and immediately he gets into a boat. So last time when he feeds the 5,000, he gets into a they get into a boat. Jesus mm-hmm. stays behind. He ends up doing the walking on water bit. Um, and then they have this discussion about their hard hearts. Do you not understand about the loaves? Uh, from there, Jesus heals some sick and then gets into kind of an argument with the Pharisees, which we talked about last episode, about uh, what it means to be defiled and whether that's stuff that's coming in you or out of you. Here, after the feeding of the 4,000, they all get into a boat. Uh, Nothing really happens on that journey, but once they get to where they're going, the Pharisees come and begin to argue with him, seeking a sign from heaven to test him. And Jesus says he sighs deeply in his spirit. I don't know what that means, but I noticed that um, in verse 34 of the last chapter, uh, which for me is like four inches above on the page, not that far. Um, when he's 
putting his fingers into the ears of the deaf man, says he looks up to heaven, he sighed, and says to him, be open. Mm -hmm. And I just noticed the word sighed again comes, he sighed deeply in his spirit uh, and asks them, why does this generation seek a sign? Truly, I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. And then he left them again, gets on a boat, goes back to the other side. So I don't know if there's, with the side thing, I wonder if it's just that word is supposed to trigger us because Jesus is saying, why do you seek a sign if we're supposed to go? He just did one Mm -hmm. in in that healing a deaf man. And they're saying, they're coming, the Pharisees are coming, arguing and seeking a sign to test him. And he's going, why do you seek a sign? He sighs deeply. We go, oh, he just sighed deeply when he, oh yeah, he just did a sign. Yeah. So I don't know if that's just a, a word play that Mark is using us to recall the memory of the healing the deaf man, or I don't know. Do you think there's more to it than that? Yeah, I don't. To be honest, I don't totally know. There seems to be some level of it. It, it sounds like it's grieving in this part, mm-hmm. but then sounds hopeful in the other. Mm-hmm. I can't tell. Uh, I thought the same as you brought it up. I thought, oh, that's interesting. I wonder what the connection is there or if there is one. I don't know totally. But I do think that um, I, I really, you know, I've heard this uh, section taught quite a few times, this seeking of a sign section. Mm-hmm. Um, and usually it's used to prove a point for something or another. What I find so fascinating, though, is that he seems frustrated with the question, but he's just been performing signs nonstop. Yeah. And it's not. And so his response even to say um, no sign will be given to this generation. I go, what? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Haven't you just given a whole bunch of signs? Yeah. Um, And so in some respects, it makes me wonder if there is something specifically being asked for. seeking a sign from heaven to test him. Uh, it, it reminds me a bit. So now I'm, so this is me just reading and I'm stretching. So Mm -hmm. I'll be totally clear there. This is not, I don't see the connection necessarily in the text, but it makes me think of, um, the prophet calling down fire from heaven and the test of God, uh, versus other gods. Yeah. And the altar being set aflame from heaven and oh, this yeah. sort of, if you can prove that you can call down something from heaven in order to prove yourself to us, huh. uh, it reminds me of that. And then it also ties in for me to the temptation uh, oh, okay. where it seems to sound a little bit like the uh, questioning or accusation of the devil to say, but couldn't you call down angels from heaven? Couldn't you throw yourself out? Couldn't you prove it? Yeah. And Jesus, in some respect, consistently goes, uh, I mean, obviously not being present with Isaiah but uh, or Elijah, um, but with the <clears throat> the temptation in this, both times I, I hear a response that's a little like, I don't actually have to prove anything to you. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to be me um, in that. And so he's constantly doing signs right? So in part I go, is he frustrated because he just did a whole bunch of signs and they haven't seen it? Or is he frustrated because they're asking for something specific to try and prove to them that all of this is actually proving that he is who he says he is? Mm. Um, Because if he's the king, if he's the son of God, if he's, because we're talking about this being the hinge point where now confession is about to happen, 
are you these things? Prove it to us and then we'll believe it. Mm. Right? So there's, they're looking for, it seems like they're looking for something very specific, like prove you have authority out of heaven and then we can believe these things. Yeah. And Jesus goes, well, I'm not going to give you that sign. Hmm. So I, I don't know. I wrestle because I, I think there's there's two ways of reading it. One is I just did a whole bunch of signs yeah. and you can't see it. And yeah. one is I'm not going to give you that sign, uh, which is something specific they're asking for. And I'm not sure maybe they're not maybe contradictory. Like they could be, it could be mm-hmm. both end. Um, but I'm just not too sure in a plain reading right now, which is which. Um, or if that I'm right in reading it that way at all. Yeah. But it does seem to, it, it, either way, the Pharisees are questioning him. Uh, the Pharisees don't believe. And he says, I'm not going to respond to that. I'm not giving you that. Hmm. Next question for you. Yeah. In, um, again, reading the Bible, best best practice is to read the Bible and let the rest of the Bible define what you're reading. Yeah, absolutely. So with the Gospels, it's really interesting because you've got a few other accounts of this story. Right, right. Very good. To then begin asking questions about, why did Mark tell this story this way? He chose these words. Yeah. He left out some words. Um, I mean, just as an example, he didn't tell us what Jesus is wearing that day. Right. He could have. Right. Potentially. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like there's, there's details Mark is leaving out. Yeah. Because they're not necessary for what Mark is trying to do. Yeah. Um, you read this story uh, in Matthew chapter 12. The Pharisees ask a different, like, same question, just differently worded. Well, here their their question isn't even there. but um, And Jesus responds with a very similar answer about why does this generation seek a sign? It's an evil generation. No sign will be given to this generation. And in Matthew says, except the sign of Jonah. Mm. And then starts talking about how that what that means right luke does has the same piece right about um it's a similar story it's crowds there asking the question about wanting a sign right in luke 11 and jesus answers why does this generation seek a sign no sign will be given to it except the sign of jonah huh and and then not too long after in luke has this bit about the leaven of the pharisees uh, which comes directly after in mark yeah so because we're reading Mark, let's stick to that. Why does Mark not include that bit about no sign except the sign of Jonah? Surely he knew about it. Yeah. And for some reason he decided, I'm not putting that in my gospel. Not because yeah. it's not true, not because it's not helpful, not because yeah. of all those things. But for, you know, he's making some intentional decision here. About, yeah. I'm not, maybe he's like, that's a rabbit trail I don't want to get into at this point. Right. I don't know. I wonder why. Yeah, I do too. I don't, I don't know that I have the answer to that other than he's got a purpose, mm-hmm. right? Like it's like a, you know, any storyteller or joke teller, right? You got a joke teller telling a joke. They might emphasize slightly different or they might drop a piece that they don't think is important. Um, and you probably, anyone that's listening has probably been in a circumstance where you start telling a joke and then realize your crowd <laughs> and go, Oh no, <laughs> I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to tell this on the fly here. You can tell the same joke yeah. with slightly different variation and still get the laugh mm-hmm. and still get the point across mm-hmm. of the joke. Right. Um, I think that there's, 
I think in all of the gospels, there is some of that happening. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, I think part of, uh, as we go, well, we'll go on in it, but I think that there's a mirroring between what was just being told and what's being told here. And like you said, because this is a hinge point, I think Mark is just really trying to hammer some things home here, right at the end of this kind of section. Oh, yeah. And I think that like you just said, Jonah would be a bit of a rabbit trail from that. Hmm. It's not the purpose of what he's been trying to say. And so he's trying to say, this is a really important part. The Pharisees asking this, it's really important that Jesus is saying no to them because Jesus, even in the other ones, although he says, yes, I'll give you the sign of Jonah. He's saying, no, Mm -hmm. saying what you're asking for, I'm not going to give you. Um, and so the, that's the point he's trying to relay is that, Hey, the Pharisees are asking for something. There's something in the Pharisees that is about the heart. It's not about their right. actions, right? If we were, yeah. if we go back to the last podcast, um, that is off and wrong. And I will not answer that piece in them. Hmm. And so I think he's just trying to stay on that narrative, that, that thing and drive that home all the way through as he begins to transfer into the next section of the gospel. Hmm. Does that make sense? Totally. So you're saying Mark isn't lying by holding, withholding <laughs> something from us. No, not that's at all. That's good. That's good. I, I, I think that's, it's difficult because we, I, even myself, I can, I think we can have doubt. We can have doubts of legitimacy of certain things because we go, well, why wouldn't they have said that? They must, there must be bad intentions or there must be this or there must be that. And it's like telling a story. It's like talking to someone. I don't always say every single thing that ever happened. Yeah in order to relay what happened. Yeah. Right. I don't, you know, Stephen comes into my office in, in the church here and he tells me something. And then you and I are talking later and I say, Oh, I got to tell you what Stephen said. I don't say, so Stephen walked at a, at a decent pace into the office. And I knew by the way he walked into my office, he wanted to tell me a story. Yeah. And right. I don't have to say all that. Yeah. But if I'm talking to someone else, that's very visual that I know that's going to matter. Mm-hmm. It sets the story up differently. I might say that. Mm-hmm. That's not me lying. That's no. me knowing what each person needs yeah. and telling it. And I'm, I'm writing it to, or I'm saying it to an audience. Yeah. And these gospels are for an audience. Yeah. All of them are, are trying to hit a specific group of people. And because of that, that's why we read them together. Like you yeah. just said, because it gives us a broader picture. Um, and it's always going to hit us slightly different. Yeah. So that's, yeah. Like I always say, um, I always say, now I'm quoting Stephen. <laughs> I've, As, always I've always said, <laughs> I think I said it like once, where uh, I said, maybe it was the last Corpus class I taught on scripture, but the Bible was written for us, but it wasn't written to us. Yeah. And we we get in trouble with uh, the way we read it when we think it was written to us. Yeah. And we just, we miss some assumptions, or we make some assumptions that cause us to miss things. That's really helpful. I, I'm glad you always say that. Yeah, I will now. Because <laughs> that's really helpful. Yeah. Okay, well, keep us going here. Okay, so uh, he has a little two-sentence problem with the Pharisees, and he left them, got into the boat again, and went back to the other side, which they're just using the Sea of Galilee like a ping-pong table, I think. Totally. <laughs> I keep How thinking, many times do they go back to the other side? Seriously? I've lost track of which side we're on. Wow, Okay. Uh, and when they got there, they had forgotten to bring bread. They only had one loaf with them, <laughs> which you just, 
at this point, someone in the disciples needs to stand up and say, <laughs> guys, I'm going to take it upon myself to make sure we have enough food for what we're doing. Yeah. But that's not what this is about. So he, <laughs> but they realize they only have one loaf. And so Jesus says, have I told you the one about uh, how you need to watch out and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod, mm-hmm. speaking of bread? And they start discussing with one another, we don't have any bread. Why, why is Jesus saying this? And he goes, why are you talking about the fact that you have no bread? Remember what I just did yeah. for the second time? Yeah. When I, and he goes, having eyes you do not see, having ears you do not hear, and do you not remember? I broke five loaves for the 5,000, and how many baskets were there? Twelve, they say. Uh, probably very ashamed. And the seven loaves for the 4,000, and how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? Seven, they said, with their hung, heads hung low. Now I'm just paraphrasing. Uh, and uh, Jesus goes, do you not yet understand? Yeah. What was the thing What was the thing we were supposed to understand last time when he said that to them? Because he asked them the same question, but you guys don't understand what this what this miracle of the bread means. Well, uh, I don't know if he says, do you not understand at this point, but that's, that is in Mark six and seven or at the end of six where he's walking on water. It talks about them. It talks about them not understanding the breaking of the bread, but he's saying that based on them not understanding that he's walking on water. Right. Which is, I love that still. Yeah. You don't get that I can walk on water. Did you not see me multiply bread? Yeah. (laughs) It's like, what? What? (laughs) What? Just because you can multiply bread, it means you can walk on water. We don't need to go back there. Go back a few podcasts if you didn't hear that one. Um, But he does say that to them earlier. I can't remember. Yeah. I don't know if he actually says, if he says it, but Mark says in 652, for they did not understand about the loaves and their hearts were hardened. Yeah. And so here... Uh, he says their hearts are hardened, right? Yeah, verse yeah. 17. Are your hearts hardened? And then verse 21, do you not yet understand? Yeah. And it's even in the same setting. Yeah. Multiply the fish and the loaves. Now they're in a boat out on the sea, on the sea again. And they're they're not wondering about the walking of water. Here they're going, we only have one loaf. Yeah. And Jesus is like, I sh- he, okay, this is where it's starting to come in together now, I get it. He's going, I just showed you twice that I can multiply loaves. Yeah. Do you not understand? Um, he has, in the last few chapters, twice had this uh, similar conversation about uh, um, how do you categorize what he's talking about with the Pharisees? What's in the heart? What's in the heart? Um, twice that happens. He does. Um, Where's he? Does the demon possession? Yeah, the little girl. With the little girl and what? The the demon-possessed man with the face. Yeah, at the beginning of chapter 5. So that's two of those. And then he heals a deaf and mute man at the end of chapter 7. And here heals a blind man next. Yeah. So two of all those things. And Jesus is going, do you not yet understand? And what's interesting is then... This, this is the story of the blind man that uh, 
he spits on his eye, yeah, spits on his eyes, lays hands on him, very similar to how he heals the the deaf mute man. Mm-hmm. Asks, "Do you see anything?" So starts a sign. What do you think? What are you seeing? Yeah. Do you have eyes that see? Yeah. Do you have ears that hear? Yeah. Are your hearts hard? And the man, upon the first oh, instance like of Jesus touching him, says, "I can, I can see people now, but they look like trees walking." So he doesn't quite get. Yeah. He he does he doesn't fully come into being able to see as Jesus is trying to open his eyes. So Jesus does it all a second time. He opens his eyes. His sight was restored. He saw everything clearly. And Jesus sends him home. Oh, I like that. And the next verse is Jesus saying to his disciples, who do people say that I am? I've done all these things twice now. The first times you weren't getting it. Yeah. You could start to see, but you didn't. People looked like trees walking. You didn't see clearly. I did everything a second time. Are your hearts hard? Do you understand? Do you have eyes to see, ears to hear? Who do people say that I am? Oh, I really like that. Okay, that's really... That's fun. Yeah, that's really fun. I I mean, it's so fun, like practically even, to start to think about ministry. And I've heard this this verse used, the healing of the, the blind man for to continually pray with faith hmm. that God is going to heal. Right. Mm-hmm. So even, so Jesus prays for someone. He's not healed the first time he prays for him again. Right. I've heard this teaching and that's true. Yeah. But the point is that God is actually using the healing of this prophetic man or of this man as a prophetic sign mm-hmm. of all the people and their response to him. Mm-hmm. That's so good. Yeah. Do you think God ever uses prophetic, uh, the opportunity to heal people nowadays as prophetic signs for something deeper that's going on <laughs> in the church. <laughs> I think once or twice that's there happened. A book probably. That you could recommend people read. <laughs> Which book are you talking about? I'm thinking of a book called "While He Lay Dying." Yeah, that's a good book. I Is like that was that called. One. Yeah. That? that's right. Yeah. As I Lay Dying. While He Lay Dying is the book written by Bruce and Laura Mertz. Um, Contact us if you want a copy and get your copy. It's about this and it's amazing. Okay, when we first started, I just got to throw this out there. When we first started, we were like, let's maybe go to the end of verse 21. And Jordan's like, I don't know. I think that section really could be connected here or the next one. We'll see by the end if we're going to use the blind man. That makes sense of the whole thing. Like yeah. multiple podcasts. There's the hinge point right there. Yeah. And you've been calling it that all along. It's like you knew. It's yeah. like you knew, Jordan. I have heard this somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't just – I didn't figure that out. I'm not sure who – where I, I – I'm 90% sure it was Dean Pinter who alerted <laughs> me to this. It's really, really good. Really good. It gives a, it's almost, I'm being slightly facetious, it's almost like it was purposeful. (laughs) (laughs) So you're telling me you don't think Mark just sat down and said, okay, I got to write down everything I've heard. Uh, Okay, this one time this happened and this other time this happened and then this one time Jesus said these things, but it's like he had some purpose in it. Like he's almost like a literary genius. (laughs) Like we should be paying attention to the literary style he's using to see it's, if he's saying more based on his writing. 
it's almost <laughs> like that. Yes. Mm. Like almost like it was, there was a plan in it. Um, man, I'm going to think about this for a long time. I don't know that I have much to say. I just really enjoying that. Yeah. I'm really enjoying that. And I think I'm really enjoying it for the sake of, it makes me think about ministry differently. So how so? Well, I just, I think of, I think of praying for people for healing. I think of, uh, seeing signs and wonders happen. I think of teaching a word. So Jesus in this time where he's talking about the, the leaven of Herod and, uh, and the Pharisees, he's teaching them. That's a, he's preaching. Hmm. He's like, Hey, I got a, I got a message for you guys. Here's something you need to hear. Uh, he's doing it very relationally, but it's still him teaching. But all of that, um, is telling the bigger story. Hmm. And I, I mean, that just, I shouldn't have to keep hearing this, but I feel like I do. And just, it reminds me consistently that maybe the stuff that we're going through, maybe not seeing the healing that we wanted to see, hmm. maybe having to, having God do the same thing multiple times in our lives. Maybe it's all with purpose. Maybe it tells a much bigger story. And if we could actually get out of our own heads and our own lives a little bit and see the bigger story, mm. actually see God's story, not our own, and see it everything in light of God's story, that it would actually tell a much bigger story. Mm. And we could go, oh, yeah, you have purpose there. You actually are giving purpose to someone not getting healed the first time they get prayed for. Yeah, You just made that purposeful. Yeah. I like that. Hence the reason why reading the Bible is important. Yes. <laughs> to see God's story. Yeah. And see your life in light of it. Yeah. And I think not the other way around. You don't read it to see, first of all, what, how your life is important and how God's trying yes. to do something in your life and you yes. got to apply it to your specific situation. Yes. You just have to get a bigger perspective. I, like exactly that. Because if I hadn't, if we hadn't done this today, yeah. if I hadn't read that and seen it, I would be going into my own life and then trying to pull my circumstances into the scriptures. Even if I'm trying to do a good thing mm -hmm. and say, I'm going to pull my and say, God, where are you in my story? Mm -hmm. It's the opposite. I need to go to God's story and see how he functions and who he is and the way he does things. And then all of a sudden it brings revelation to my story. Yeah. Because and, I know how he works. Now. Yeah. And then you start asking, wait, where am I in God's story? Exactly. So it doesn't, it, I've got to flip that on its head. So I, just to say it clearly, it's a good thing to ask those questions because you're still trying to say, God's got to be the important thing. Even if we're caught up in our own circumstances, yeah. it shows a good heart. Yeah. So I'm not trying to condemn that. I'm only saying, I think there's a variation of that. Mm -hmm. That's more helpful, which is let's get into the scriptures. This is, we are living in a fascinating time. Everyone has access. Mm -hmm. And because of that, it's as if it doesn't matter anymore. Wow. Yeah. But we need to, we need to, oh, I said, I almost said pretend, not pretend. We need, to, <laughs> we need to seriously not pretend. We need to take the scriptures seriously and we need to actually be in them to learn who God is because it will make sense of our lives. Not God, could you come into my life to make sense of it? Mm -hmm. And cause that's 
That's us trying to reach into heaven and bring him back down into me Mm -hmm. instead of going, can you, I need to get drawn up into you. Mm. Right. Cause that's actually what happened. Yeah. That's a, that's salvation. Yeah. We were drawn up into his story. He pulled us out of that, out of where we were. Yeah. And so we can't go back into a mindset of, I need to pull you down into my story instead of be drawn up into his anyways. Yeah. And it takes, even that just takes off pressure when I'm reading scripture. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm not going, what did I get out of it? Um, how am I living this out today? Yeah. Am I doing a good job? It just sets the fact that I read it helps me see more of God's story. Yeah. yeah. And more of what God's doing. Yeah. And Make sense of my life by reading about something that happened 2000 yeah. years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Even if there's no connection to yes. your life or you can't see that connection. Totally. You're like, I actually don't get how this connects to my life, but now I understand more of God's story and, and this is a bigger picture that I need to understand. Yeah. And yeah, if you're going to define yourself by Christ, it's good to know Christ. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a fair, that's a fair statement. <laughs> I'm no doctor. <laughs> But I think if, yeah, if you're going to define yourself by Christ, it's probably good to know who Christ is and what his story is and how he's, how he's the center of his story. Yeah. So even just reading that story is going to be helpful in some way because it sets you in the right, it gives you better perspective. Yeah. I don't know. Absolutely. hundred percent. Where are we? I don't even. That, did we just? That's think it. That was it. That's yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, you just did it all. Is that it? Okay. Did totally did it all. Well, we've hit the kind of. Well, I mean, that was the hinge point. So we're. Yeah. It is we, actually halfway as well. Sixteen chapters oh, yeah. normally. So we're new. Yep. Yeah, right in the oh, middle of chapter eight. We're halfway. Yeah. We do have ten more episodes. Yeah. So wow, this is fun. It's a lot of fun. It's about to get. I mean, as the story goes, it just gets better and better. So same with this story. Exciting. Awesome. Join us next time for episode 11.